Shaloma. You're listening to Watered Womanhood, the podcast for women walking in the truth of who Yahuwah the Most High says we are, where we uncover what it means to be His bride. I'm Rabbi Shah Aloha Lani, founder of the Hebrew Housewife, a set-apart homemaking block for the daughters of Israel. I've been studying the Word all my life and ministering to Israelite sisters since 2019 by the grace of Abinawa with original homemaking tips, biblical marital advisory, and truth-based devotionals. Join me in building up the kingdom at Watered Womanhood on Instagram, thehebrewhousewife.com, and right here as we fellowship in spirit and in truth. Shalom, shalom. Um... Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I don't have a script. Um, I haven't taken the time to write this episode out primarily because I want it to be authentic. I want to convey my vulnerability um, and I don't want to just convey my vulnerability, but I do actually want to be vulnerable in this. So I have decided to wing it today as I talk about being real with your story, being proud of where the Most High has brought you, and embracing the lows that are a part of, you know, your story. And one of the main things that has me thinking about this is slavery and slave movies. And recently my husband and I just finished watching Lovecraft Country. And if you haven't heard of it, it is based on a book, ironically written by a white man, about Jim Crow era Negroes who are very well read. And when I say well read, I mean exceptionally read. And they, their family is more or less entangled in the bloodline of an ultra elite lineage of wizards, white wizards. And they have one of the last descendants. And um, the show pretty much just shows how graphic, how vulgar, how violent and vicious we were treated. And it, it it brings to my mind that it was even worse during slavery. And I think about what our ancestors went through, not even just our ancestors who were in slavery, but those during the Jim Crow era and then in the civil rights movement and then in the crack epidemic. And... I really had a hard time even starting that show because I knew it had such strong racial overtones and racial violence. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for a fact when I watch stuff like that, it's not even like it's beyond being triggered. It's I'm going (laughs) to, I feel like I don't even have to say it. Like I'm I'm just going to bite my tongue. But when I watch stuff like that, I feel awakened. I feel like the wool is off of my eyes if I fell asleep for a second. And I don't like to always be in that zone. But every time I finish watching these narratives, these slave narratives, you know, because we also just recently rewatched Django. And 
you know, these narratives are important. It's an ugly history. It's a history we don't want to relive. It's, you know, we don't want to continue to call ourselves slaves or even refer to our ancestors as slaves. But the truth of the matter is, this was a part of our history. And not only was it a part of our history, it's a part of our story with the Most High. Whether other nations like that or not, it absolutely 1000% is. And he shows us it in his word. And we have to continue to embrace this history and remember it because (laughs) we barely a hundred years out of slavery and they are pushing for us to forget. They want us to stop talking about it. They want to completely erase it because they know exactly who they were enslaving. Now, how does this relate to today's topic of owning your story? Well, a large part of being an Israelite is the whole slavery thing. And while it is one of the biggest things that skeptics like to dispute about our identity and how the transatlantic slave trade is not biblical or whatever, for us and for reality, right, for the truth, It absolutely is. And it's a hard conversation for us to have amongst ourselves and also amongst other nations that slavery was not just a bump or (laughs) something that was put in our way to stop us, to destroy us. It's not some meager part of our history that we need to ignore and not acknowledge. When the Israelites came out of slavery and post-Exodus text referred to the Most High as Redeemer because he had saved them from Egyptian captivity. How can they refer to him as redeemer if they don't remember that he did redeem them? If they can't remember how low they were, how afraid they were, how hopeless they were. And so this parallel impacts our personal walks as well. I feel like we in the truth have the tendency to overcome a trial and forget the most high and not even forget that he did an amazing thing, (laughs) but forget how, how low of a space we were and how grand his act of salvation was for us during that time. And a lot of you don't know my story, but I struggled with depression Before coming into the truth, I was very suicidal. I have two, thankfully, failed (laughs) suicide attempts. Hallelujah. Um, I was in a really dark place. I was a young single mother, child. I couldn't keep a job. Um, I really struggled with poverty. And, you know, it's by the grace of the Most High that I'm even here today. Um, And I'm so grateful And 
I can only speak for myself, but we are so quick to forget. Not only what the Most High has done, but the magnitude. And the reason why slavery is pertinent to this conversation, because that is our ultimate, 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 ultimate goal as the bride, as the body of Yahuwah, to be free, to be boundless, to be above the shackles of this world, whether you're walking in actual shackles or spiritual shackles. And we must remember We must be real. We must be vulnerable with our stories. We must be vulnerable with our histories. And we must be vulnerable with the ways that the Most High has rescued us and saved us. Especially you sisters who have platforms or you sisters that have other sisters looking to you in any way. Because it's hard to connect with someone that cannot demonstrate their understanding and relatability to your issue or maybe not even your issue but at least to your emotion and I've noticed a difference myself in speaking to sisters who let's say maybe being abused by their husbands and many of you also don't know this about me but when I first came into the truth as an Israelite and this is me being very vulnerable Um, I was dealing with a very wicked Israelite brother who was in a camp and he really abused me. Thankfully, we never got married, but he was convincing me that sex was marriage with no covenant whatsoever. And I was so blind and eager and thirsty for any type of affection or love. And I felt that it was finally something wholesome and holy. And it was the answer to my prayer, but it really wasn't. And how I stayed faithful to the most high in spite of this. And when I shared this with sisters, telling them how it all ended up working in my favor because of that faith and because of the mercy of the most high and the justice of the most high, They go from listening to me preach to hearing me say, I've been there. I know exactly how you feel. I know what you're going through. And so this advice that I'm about to give you is not just based on the scripture. It's not just based on logic. It's not just based on a formula that's supposedly, you know, the formula. No, this is my life. I know that pain. And this is how I work through it. It may not necessarily be that for you, but this has been fruitful for me. And this also can apply to slavery um, as a people and how we help other nations as well, because we are supposed to be the royal priesthood. And the Most High absolutely has set us free before all nations of people, whether we want to see it or not. And all nations of people are turning to us now. (laughs) And the media doesn't want us to know it, but they absolutely 100% are. I'm seeing more and more Gentiles wake up every single day, not even kidding. Hallelujah for that. May the most highs will be done. May all nations bow down and bless your holy name. Hallelujah. That is a blessing. 
And we have been chosen to lead and to demonstrate how we got out of captivity. And we need to be vulnerable to say it was not by herb nor mollifying plaster that healed, but by thy word, oh God, that set set us free, broke our chains. There is no other explanation. There isn't. There absolutely isn't. Not only for us to come out of slavery in one piece, but to completely economically obliterate our captors almost instantly after coming out of slavery to the point where they just started lynching us. They just started murdering us in the street. Imagine that. I have spoken to quite a few historians and history buffs, and they agree that had a civil war broken out between Afro-Americans and pretty much everybody else, and we had our weapons, we would have won. Prior to the civil rights movements, when it stopped being about us taking what's owed to us and us accepting what somebody else gives us, we were on a completely different level. And if we want to be leaders in the world, be a city on a hill, we need to be able to demonstrate community above all. What greater love has a man than to lay down his life for his friend? Love is a law. There is no other law. Now, I know what you think you hear when I say that, that, oh, these sisters don't care about the law. Please don't. Please (laughs) don't take me there. I absolutely do care about the law. But what I'm saying is that everything that is written in the Torah classifies as love. That is the, the point. And the one thing that the Torah is missing is mercy. And we need to have that, not just on each other, but on ourselves. And we're not showing mercy to ourselves when we refuse to be honest and vulnerable about where the Most High has brought us. Because if you were a whore, if you had an abortion, if you've been married four times, you know, if you murdered somebody, if you used to be a thief, if you're a leper or you have a disease, don't let people make you feel so ashamed that you can't publicly praise your creator. Don't let people try to disgrace what the Most High has delivered you from, regardless of your sins, regardless of your mistakes, because you are underestimating the power of testimony, the power of being a witness. I know it may be intimidating to be real and to be vulnerable if (laughs) the height of your story is oh, you know, I needed $500. I didn't know where it was going to come from. And I was eating canned beans and all of a sudden the most high gave me $500. Okay, that's a miracle. That's, That's faith. That's our father. And he deserves that worship. He deserves that praise. And he deserves that acknowledgement. And not only that, 
He's hoping that you will speak nicely about him to other people, even if it may break your pride a little bit. And he tells us we need to be able to multiply, be willing to multiply our one talent before we're given other talents. And this message is for the bulk of you Israelite sisters who have questions about starting a blog, starting a podcast, starting your Israelite brand or business or your message, whatever it is that the Most High has given you. And you are looking for the numbers, the likes, the subscribes, the engagement and the influence. But what have you done with what he's given you now? Are you even being consistent now? Are you even showing up now with your 30 followers? Because I started there too. Are you even showing up with your 10 followers? Are you showing up with your zero engagement? Are you showing up while nobody is listening? If you speak, an audience will form. Multiply your one talent. Share what he has done for you. Every opportunity where someone shares their pain with you, being vulnerable with you, open your heart. The fear of vulnerability blocks femininity. Femininity is softness. Femininity is nurturing. Femininity is compassion. We can't share these things with one another or in our community when we are afraid. And it always reminds me, if you've, if you've been following my blog for some time, you've probably heard me speak on this, but it always reminds me of the fact that a mammal, a pregnant female mammal who's about to give birth, right? So she's in labor. If she senses danger or predators around she, her body will lock and refuse to birth those babies for fear of those babies. And if it gets too intense and she never feels safe, the strain will kill her. But her babies will remain inside of her. She will refuse to expel and give life for fear of danger. And her body will decompose with the bodies of her babes in her womb. This demonstration, ever since I learned about it, has stuck with me so well. Because I thought this is like the perfect illustration of not only what is happening to Israelite women in these hospitals when we're giving birth, if we keeping it a buck, but also what is happening individually within our own femininity. And, you know, not even just individually, but the femininity of Israelite women as a community, because we are scared to submit we're scared to be vulnerable. We're scared to be soft. We're scared to be virtuous according to what the scripture ordains for us. And the result is primarily what we're seeing in our community. 
is this rebellion and this inability to carry out the task that the most high has given you right your your ideas your vision your goals your dreams what the most high has given you your talents you just keep them inside for fear of danger and you will you will die <laughs> you will die in dying you will die you really will you will kill yourself you will kill your spirituality. You will kill your devotion. You will kill your joy because now you're looking at this sister giving birth to this idea, this sister giving birth to that idea, this sister ministering, this sister giving charity, this sister got a blog, this sister got a YouTube channel, this sister got kids like really giving birth and you aren't moving because you're afraid to be vulnerable. You're walking with fear. You're walking with intimidation. Be real with your story. Be real with what he has done in you. I know that it's hard to potentially say <laughs> in front of a stranger that you don't know. Yeah, I had to have sex for money before I came into the truth. And I'm just thankful that the Most High brought me out of that. Don't be afraid. Because at the end of the day, whores are redeemed in the Bible. Prostitutes are redeemed in the Bible. Prostitutes have a great name and a great reputation when you open up the scripture, not because of what they do or how they change, but because of the glory and the grace and the divine salvation of the most high. People will hear Rahab's name and think, yeah, she was a whore that um, helped the spies to conquer the city of Jericho and she was redeemed. <laughs> this woman is a foremother in the land of Judah. Do you know who Rahab gave birth to? She gave birth to Boaz. We know who Boaz is. We know he married Ruth. Do you know who Ruth is the foremother of? Jesse. The father of King David. The father of Solomon. Don't sleep on what the Most High is doing and wants to accomplish in your life and in someone else's life and in the kingdom, period. Because you are a Afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He tells us to weep with those who weep. He tells us to weep with those who weep. And that is okay. His grace is sufficient for you to do that. I understand that, you know, in the world, Femininity is something that may stand in the way of you being able to get a good job and keep that job, being able to work hard to provide for your family. Femininity may sometimes attract predatory men, um, whether you are a young girl surrounded by predators or an adult woman being preyed upon by, let's just say, parasitical male suitors. But you're not in that world anymore. You don't exist there. You say you're in the kingdom. 
you said you got a new name. You you say you have espoused yourself to the Lord of Lords, to Yahuwah Sabaoth, the host of hosts. That means you live in his house because what man has a wife that does not dwell with him therein? And we're supposed to be of the house of our husband, the most high, according to Isaiah 54 and Revelation 21 and the entire book of Hosea. And really the whole Bible is our covenant. We're supposed to be in his house. So if we're really dwelling in the house of Yahuwah, what fear do we have? I really want you to take the time to write out some of the things that you're scared to do and that you're scared to say. Now, I'm not saying write down the insults <laughs> and the crazy conspiracies that you just want to share everywhere. No, I mean the confessions as it pertains to your story, your vulnerabilities. Examine them and pray over them and reflect on why you're so afraid. Are you scared that people will judge you? Are you scared that you won't have the same holy image? Are you afraid that you'll confide in somebody and they might turn around and, and use your weaknesses or your past against you? And if so, I definitely understand we've all been there. At the end of the day, you can't stop people from doing that, but that is the entire point. Vulnerability is not doing something when you feel safe enough to do it. Vulnerability is doing it regardless. It makes me think about Joseph as well. Peace be upon him. Sold into slavery by his own brothers. After revealing a dream about ruling over them. Cast down, lied on, beat up, treated like an animal. Rose to glory in Pharaoh's house and fell again, <laughs> was destroyed again, lied on again. And then rose again to see the fulfillment of the dream that the Most High gave him. And... Did he hold a grudge against his brothers? Did he rub it in their faces? Did he abstain from showing mercy on them? No. He became ruler in the land of Egypt, the only place that had food for miles during a continental drought and famine. And he showed them love. He was vulnerable with them. He showed them that he cared about them and he demonstrates to us all that what we go through is what the Most High delivers us from and it's a part of our story and it takes us right where we need to be because in Joseph becoming a leader in Egypt during that time, that's when his, his prophetic dream came to pass that his brothers would bow down before him. They will be humbled before him. Had that, would that have happened without them selling him into slavery? 
I mean, yeah, sure. Because the most high's word is definite 100,000%. No man can stop it. But in this instance, we're just going to focus on this. That's how the most high chose it to come to pass. And I think that's for a very specific reason. When you go through something that you might feel is shameful and you get out of that place, don't be ashamed. What can a mere man do to you? Laugh, scorn, point, gossip, not care. (laughs) We need to discover and uncover our fears about our story, why we have these fears, and how to challenge ourselves in these fears. And I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. This podcast is that fear for me. It is me challenging that fear. And it is me slowly but surely overcoming it with every episode because I'm a very secretive, reserved, shy. Now, I wouldn't say shy, but I, I am pretty reserved. It takes me some time to warm up to people. And this audio content is such a new, fresh terrain for me. Not only because it's audio content, because like I said, I did have a podcast in the world. It was small though, but also because of the nature of what I'm talking about. And see, when you're dealing with the word, you have to speak the truth. So I I know that I just can't come on here and say anything, right? I can't just (laughs) lie about my life and lie about who I am and lie about my past and lie about the way that I get through things today, you know, and the way that I maneuver through the problems Um, which I faced and being able to confide and to share and to just be real with you is a huge challenge because I have been laughed at in this truth. I have been scorned. I have been scolded. (laughs) I've been just I've had quite a journey. I'm just going to say that and leave it at that. And it has made me withdrawn. It has made me more reserved. It has made me feel like, you know, angry. Well, why should I even care about these people? These people in my community. These people are in cults. These people are not Israelites. This ain't the children of the Lord. Girl, let me go about my business. I ain't talking to them. I ain't dealing with them. And I feel like I especially felt that with sisters when I made attempts to connect. And so I got into this weird space where for a while, I wasn't really trying to talk to sisters. I had a really strong boundary between myself and other sisters because of what I had experienced while I was fresh into the truth. And, you know, earlier this year, I believe I started praying about sisterhood and for the most high to open that up to me. And he absolutely has blown my mind. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. And I would like to say that this podcast is a huge part of it because it opens up so many conversations. But, you know, outside of the podcast, the Most High has blessed a sister to live live here, to dwell here in my home with me and my husband, which was an incredible blessing for me to fellowship virtually with sisters, to give counsel to sisters, and the, the the hundreds of prayer requests that I received. Such a blessing. And, you know, to the prayer request thing, if you're listening, your prayer is not a burden for me. 
being able to pray for you is a grand opportunity for me and it's a blessing to my home. And if you have a prayer request, please do submit them. One thing that really helped me overcome the fear of starting this podcast was the fact that this is a podcast about vulnerability in relationships alongside biblical femininity. And the two go hand in hand because you can't really truly be a biblical, biblically feminine woman as demonstrated by women in the scripture if you don't accept the vulnerability which which accompanies, yes, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the word, which accompanies this biblical womanhood. Because again, you know, the truth is that women weren't really allowed to be in men's spaces, speaking in the synagogues or in the temple. We were not allowed to own property. (laughs) We were not allowed to be family redeemers. We were not allowed to be head of household, even if we were the breadwinner. And that is vulnerability, 100%. And I see that this rejection of biblical womanhood and depending on a man and being a homemaker is mainly a rejection of that vulnerability that accompanies that, such as what if my husband leaves? What if he dies? What if he gets sick? Or, you know, that's just biblical womanhood. And we need to come to terms with it. At the end of the day, The Most High is our provider and our protector and our redeemer. And the Most High can accomplish this work, whether a man is in the picture or not. Now, don't use that in front and say, well, I don't need a man. I got the Most High. Because that's what the Christian women are doing. The Black Christian women. And they're paying for it. They absolutely are. Why? Because we think that if we take men out of our walk, then we don't have to bow down. We don't have to submit and we don't have to be vulnerable because we can absolutely 100% trust the most high. But men have ordinances that they must follow and that they are held accountable to as it pertains to how they treat us, how they treat anything that they have lordship over their property, their flocks, their land, their servants the city if they're in government, their students if they're a teacher, their wife and their children if they're a husband and a father. And we cannot obsess or stress over how this vulnerability makes us susceptible to their sins. Why? (laughs) Because you're going to be afraid to give birth. You're going to be afraid to live your life you're going to you're going to miss out on so many blessings. You're going to miss out on so much fruit. Because of the fear of vulnerability. I have so much more <laughs> that I could say, but I don't want to ramble because this episode isn't scripted and I kind of feel like if I don't slow myself down now, I will hold you here all day. And this message, you know, this is a timeless message. I'll probably continue to reiterate this everywhere on my podcast, every chance that I get, because it is through vulnerability that I even have this podcast 
that I even have the Hebrew housewife blog, that I'm even on Instagram because I hate Instagram. I hate sharing my life. (laughs) And you can probably see that from my feed. I hate sharing my life. I am so private and reserved. But at the end of the day, I have a job. And I see that when I open up my life to you, sisters, the blessings just pour in. And I don't want to stop doing that because I'm scared that somebody who the message wasn't even for is going to say something about me that I don't like or or lie on me or, you know, I can't live my life like that. I want this fruit. I want the kingdom. I want to see all the balanced blessings that my heavenly father has in store for me. And ain't nobody going to make me afraid to walk my walk, period. And I hope you feel the exact same way. If we want to be truly biblically feminine women, we must embrace that awkward space where we are afraid to do a good thing to praise our heavenly father and to bless his holy name. And if you look in the scripture, it's my last point. The women in scripture were just so humble and it's easy to romanticize their humility and their submission. But these women were bowing to men. And I don't just mean their own husbands, to the priests, to the leaders, to the landowners, to the gatekeepers, to strangers tarrying in their homes for a night or two. That's vulnerability. To lower yourself. But I want you to know that, you know, the Most High says, (laughs) when you exalt yourself, you will be humble. And when you humble yourself, you will be exalted. And humility is difficult because it makes you vulnerable and vulnerability is difficult because it truly makes you humble. But know that it has a great reward. So when you're in that space, right, and when you're doing this exercise that I'm prescribing to you as your biblical femininity (laughs) liaison, (laughs) after you write down what ways you're scared to be vulnerable and why you're scared to be vulnerable, write down what you think could happen if you choose to do that. And I think I've given you this exercise already before you new listeners tuning in or for you listeners that didn't complete the exercise when I first assigned it, do it. If you are afraid to even talk to your daughter about her period, (laughs) Write down why you're afraid. Are you afraid that you might say something wrong, something that's not scriptural? Are you afraid that you won't be able to answer her questions? Now write down why you're afraid of this. You might uncover that it's because that's how you felt when you were a kid. And maybe it made you angry that you didn't get the understanding or maybe even the hygiene that you needed. And then I want you to write down what could happen if you work through this vulnerability and push through and did it in any way, you know what I think would happen in this scenario? I think a generational curse would be broken instantly, 1,000% because of vulnerability. Be vulnerable. 
Don't be afraid. Bless your Heavenly Father. Thank you for this day. And I thank you for this episode. I thank you for every single sister that is tuning in at this very moment. And I pray that your word penetrates as it does. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing into the dividing asunder between the soul and the spirit. And the bone and the marrow. Discerning all the thoughts of man. I appreciate these sisters and the sisterhood that... I have found within and the relationships you have blessed us to cultivate. I pray that you would water and nurture these relationships and let these sisters feel comfortable and let these sisters feel safe with me and let these sisters know that I do plan to be a sister. I pray that we will continue to embody biblical femininity as you have prescribed in your holy book and that we will put your word above our feelings and also put our feelings in your word because your grace is sufficient and we are not burdensome to you nor are our fears and emotions. I pray that these awkward spaces where we feel afraid, we will see your face and we will live on to worship you and speak of all your goodness before all the nations. Thank you for rescuing us from slavery. Thank you for freeing us from bondage. Thank you for redeeming us, O Heavenly Father. It is in the name of your Son, our Lamb, Hamashiach Yahusha, that we pray this prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. That is all for today's episode of Watered Womanhood. I hope you've been watered. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider making a small contribution towards the sustainability and production of the only biblical femininity podcast for Israelite women. $1, $5, whatever y'all puts on your heart, all donations make a difference. And you can use the link in the description to get started. Be sure to follow, favorite, and leave a review wherever you're listening to make this podcast even more visible to other Israelites. Remember that you can stay up to date and join us for some interesting dialogues at thehebrewhousewife.com. And go ahead and join my newsletter for some members-only perks. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Until next time, Shabbat Shalom.